The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Because the Lord is risen, we have the promise that we shall be raised with Him. Let us sing our praise to the risen Son with our finest hallelujahs.
morning. You may be seated. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Amen. Thank you, choir, so much for leading us this morning in worship. Uh, They did a wonderful job. Praise the Lord. You did a wonderful job uh, singing in the cantata this morning. And some of you need to come and join them up here and uh, become a regular member of the choir. Take your copy of God's word this morning and be turning with me to the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter. This morning, I want to talk to you about a visit from the risen Jesus, a visit from the risen Jesus. Luke chapter 24, and as you're finding your place, if we were to take the time to read all of Luke 24, we would read, first of all, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those dear ladies returned early on that first Easter uh, Sunday to the tomb, expecting to find uh, the dead body of Jesus, and instead they find an empty tomb. And next you would read about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the Lord Jesus joins them on their journey, but they do not know it is Jesus. And finally, their eyes are open and they recognize Jesus and then he vanishes from their sight. Well, they rush back to Jerusalem to share with the disciples that have gathered there and those that are there with them that indeed the Lord Jesus is alive. He has risen. And as they're telling that, as they're talking about that, the Lord Jesus appears again. And that's where we find our spot this morning there in Luke 24, verse 36, Luke 24, verse 36. The Bible says, now, as they said these things, as they were telling their testimony, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. As we examine this passage this morning, there are three main truths that I want to impress upon your heart. First of all, I want to impress this upon your heart. Our Savior is alive. Our Savior is alive. You've got to remember as we read this passage and look at it today, this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. This is the risen Jesus. This is after the cross. This is after the tomb. Our Savior is alive. He arose bodily from the tomb. This is not an apparition. This is not a ghost. This is not a spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ is here in his glorified, resurrected body. And he makes it very clear to them here. Now, they thought they were seeing a spirit 
and they were scared. Now, look at verse 37 again. It says they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And we can understand that you watch someone die. And then, you know, that person's also buried. And then three days later, they show up in your living room. What would be your response? You'd be terrified. You'd be frightened. You'd be scared. We can understand that. And notice the very first word that he speaks to them. He says to them in verse 36, peace to you, peace to you. Look at verse 38. He says, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? You can understand what they were thinking. Some of it, you can understand what they're going through here. They had watched the Lord Jesus die. They knew he had been buried and there he stands before them alive. And they're bothered by that. But he's going to show them here this morning, beloved, beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has risen, that he is resurrected, that he's in his glorified body. Now, there are many today. Who will try to convince you that Jesus did not rise bodily? They might say to you, well, he rose spiritually. Or they might even go so far as to say that he was not raised at all. And they'll try to convince you of all sorts of interesting things. There are those who try to convince you this morning that these people who saw the Lord Jesus were simply hallucinating. Which is very interesting. 1 Corinthians 15 says that he appeared to over 500 brethren at once. So imagine we have 500 people and they have a group hallucination. And they all hallucinate the Lord Jesus. They see him at the same time at the same place. Listen, they couldn't even do that at Woodstock. It's not a group hallucination. The Lord Jesus appeared before them. He shows them that he is alive and he does it very, very interesting. He does it, first of all, by showing them his hands and his feet. Look at verses 39 and 40. The Bible says, behold, the Lord Jesus speaking, behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me, touch me, see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Think about that. He still has the marks in his body from Calvary. He is not a, just a spirit. He's not a ghost here. He's not an apparition here. He was the risen, resurrected bodily Lord Jesus Christ standing in their presence. Interesting. If you go to John chapter 20, Thomas is known as doubting Thomas. The Bible says in John 20, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The Bible says in John 20, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas there before the resurrected Christ answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me and believe you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He shows them, beloved, here in this passage, Luke 24, the prints, the nails. And, and he says to them here. I'm risen. He shows them his his body, his hands and his feet. But secondly, he does something else interesting. He eats in their presence. It's interesting. Here you have the resurrected Lord Jesus. And look at verse 41. 
While they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? It says they gave him a piece of royal fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Now, this certainly shows this is not a ghost. This is not a spirit. This is not an apparition. He's risen bodily. Our Savior is alive. He lives. The tomb is empty. Jesus lives. Our Savior is alive. But secondly, I want to show you this morning and impress this upon your heart. Our Bible is true. Our Bible is true. Now, it's interesting. After confirming the reality of his resurrection, showing them the place where the nails were, showing him uh, that he was eating in their presence and doing so, he next turns their attention to the scriptures, to the word of God. Now, obviously, at this point, it's the Old Testament we're talking about here. And he shows them that the scriptures are about him. Now, it's interesting. Verses 44 and 45. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So basically he's saying to them here, listen, the Bible prophesied my coming. The Bible prophesied his first coming. The Bible prophesied his suffering, his resurrection. Psalm 1610 says this, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You see, Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. They remind us, beloved, that our Bible is true. It prophesied his first coming. It prophesied what was going to happen concerning him. You go back and read Isaiah 53 and see the sufferings of the Lord Jesus long before he ever stepped foot upon this earth. It prophesied his first coming. But listen, it also prophesies his second coming. Jesus Christ is coming again, friend. He's coming again. And I wonder on this Easter Sunday morning, are you ready? What if it were today? What if at noon today the Lord Jesus were to come back for his bride, the church, and the rapture were to happen today? I wonder, friend, are you ready? The Bible declares very clearly that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible declares very clearly that the wages of sin is death. It shows that if one dies without the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll go and spend an eternity in a horrible place called hell. But listen. Because Jesus lives, because the tomb is empty, because he has risen, because he lives, you can live. You see, his death, his burial, his resurrection provided the only way for forgiveness of your sin, a pardon for you and a home in heaven. And I have glorious news today on this glorious Easter Sunday. If you turn from your sin to Christ today, he will save you. He will forgive you. He will pardon you. He will give you a home in heaven. And I want to declare to each one here today, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to come to Christ and turn your life to him and give your life to him. Now, Christian, we need to rejoice. You know why? Well, many reasons. But here we're talking about what? Our Bible is true. What it said would happen at his first coming Happened exactly as it said. He fulfilled those prophecies. Now listen. What it says about its second coming. 
will happen exactly as it says it will. And we say this morning, even so come Lord Jesus. You ought to be rejoicing. Why? Our Savior is alive. Our Bible is true. But third, last but not least, our mission is clear. Our mission is clear. Look back at that passage beginning at verse 46. Then he said to them, thus it was written or it is written. And thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now notice verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Our mission is clear. Perhaps you heard about the salesman who was having trouble one Sunday morning staying awake in church. Can you imagine that? People sleeping in church. Some are here today, I think, struggling. But toward the end of the sermon, as the preacher is there preaching, he said something that caused this salesman to wake up, to sit up straight, and begin listening to the message intently. When the preacher gave the invitation at the conclusion of the service, the salesman was the first one down the aisle to the altar. And there was a counselor there who met the salesman, and the counselor said to the salesman, he said, what was it that the preacher said? That's caused you to come forward. And the salesman answered, he mentioned the Great Commission. (laughs) Some of you will get that later on today. Listen, we have a mission. It's called the Great Commission. It's not about sales. It's about the Savior. It's not about gold. It's about the gospel. Look again at verse 47. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Matthew 28, usually where we think about that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In other words, beloved, He is risen. Now go tell. Go tell. Tell everybody. Preach it all over. Preach it everywhere. Go tell that the Savior is risen. We're to share the good news. He says there, listen, I want you to preach repentance. I want you to preach remission of sins. I want you to do it in his name to all nations beginning here at Jerusalem. We're to share the gospel. We're to share the gospel. We say, what is the gospel? First Corinthians 15, Paul makes it very clear. Verses three through five says this. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. That he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. We're to share the gospel. This is not something we keep a secret. It's not something we keep for our group or our class or our church. We're to share it everywhere with everyone all the time. We're to be sharing the gospel. Our mission is clear. But it's interesting. He mentioned the... Power from on high. He mentioned about waiting and the promise of my father and tearing in the city of Jerusalem to these particular disciples. Now, listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, how could a group of common people ever hope to fulfill this kind of a commission? He said, God promised to provide the power. And he did. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the church and empowered them to preach the word. That's Acts chapter two. 
After Pentecost, the Spirit continued to fill them with great power. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. He said, witnessing is not something we do for the Lord. It's something the Lord does through us if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear that again. Witnessing is not something we do for the Lord. It's something the Lord does through us if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a great difference about a, a difference between a sales talk and a spirit empowered witness. We're not trying to argue people into the kingdom. We're not trying to convince people by our own intelligence. Vance Havner used to say people do not come to Christ at the end of an argument. Think about that. Simon Peter came to Jesus because Andrew went after him with a testimony. Wiersbe said, we go forth in the authority of his name and the power of his spirit, heralding his gospel, the gospel of his grace. In other words, beloved, we don't do this in our own strength. Now, we don't have to wait for Pentecost. We as believers, if you're a child of God, you're already indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You should be filled with the Holy Spirit as you submit to him. We go forth sharing the gospel, not in our strength, but in his strength. Not in our power, but in His power. We allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and in us. We witness with our lives and witness with our lips. And both are important. We're to be doing both. Our walk should match our talk. Now I want you to think about this. This is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered through the cross. He went to the tomb. He's risen. What's He talking about? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about witnessing. He's talking about sharing the gospel. That is his heartbeat, beloved. That's the reason he came to to provide a way, the way, the only way of salvation. Beloved, I want to say to you on this Easter Sunday morning, he is worthy this morning. He's worthy to receive all honor and glory. Worship him. Magnify him. Glorify him. And if you don't know him, I want to call out to you today and encourage you to come to him today. Three simple truths from this passage. Glorious truths. You get nothing else. Get these three. Our Savior is alive. Hallelujah. Our Bible is true. Praise the Lord. And our mission is clear. Get busy. Share. He is risen. Go and tell. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise the Lord. The Lord is risen. I can't help but think of that song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what men may say. How do I know He lives? He lives within my heart. I know Him today. Do you know Him? Only by His grace. I don't stand here in my own merit, my own righteousness. I stand in His righteousness. He saved me. Has He saved you, friend? Will you call out to Him? Will you do it today? Our Savior's alive. Our Bible is true. Our mission is clear. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I wonder as we are about to sing our closing hymn and then we'll have a few other things before we go home. I wonder this morning, do you know him? Has there ever been a time in your life where you have turned from your sin to Christ? Friend, if you have not, today is the day. As God, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, as you feel that tug, you feel that conviction. I want to encourage you today when we sing this final song 
For you to step out from where you are, just simply make your way down here. I'll meet you at the front. We want to share the gospel again and make sure today that you leave here knowing Christ. Does it matter how long you've been in church? It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ lives for you. He arose for you. And as we close this service today, I want to invite you to come. Now, perhaps you're here today and you're a Christian and you need some prayer about some things. We would invite you to come as well. Maybe leave some things at the foot of the cross today. But listen, we're going to pray and sing this final hymn. If you need Jesus, will you come today? Will you come today? He's a living. He's alive. He's waiting for you. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor and adore you. We have sought to lift up your name in this place. And Lord, as we looked at your word today, we thank you for the truth that our Savior is alive. Our Bible is true and our mission is clear. Help us to be fulfilling that great commission. Now, Father, I pray as we have this invitation time. If someone's here, doesn't know Christ, I pray your Holy Spirit to bring them to Christ in the next few minutes. And Father, I pray for believers today that perhaps are struggling. I pray they might bring those things and lay them today at the foot of the cross. Have your will, your way accomplished now, Jesus. We do this in your lovely name. Amen and amen. Our closing hymn this morning is a beloved hymn, number 407. And as we begin to sing, I want to invite you to come, friend. Wherever you are today, wherever you are, you're invited to come to the Lord Jesus. 407 says, Thus it is Sunday, all the Jesus. Because of the cause you live, not to face tomorrow. And you want to have your life. As we stand and sing 407, I'm like to come today. 407. Thank you.